This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I am usually your host, Mary Beth Smith. Today I will be your guest, and for the second time in MBSing history, this is a very special e-MBSing episode where my now fiancé, Eric Brabant, is hosting and interviewing me about my love of the film Once. I have been obsessed with this movie since I saw it in 2007 at an art house theater in Philadelphia, and I get to talk about it for an hour with someone who I have also uh, made into a fan of the movie and the musical and Glenn Hansard and all of the things that are available to obsess about where once is concerned. I really think this conversation came out great, and I encourage anyone who hasn't seen the film to check it out and uh, see for themselves. If, if you don't like the movie, I feel like you, there still will be something to like in the music. I've talked to people over the years who feel that way, that the music is good, but the movie leaves a, lit, a bit to be desired for them, which is fine and understandable. It's uh, could be called slight, uh, I think, um, but its simplicity is one of the things I love about it. But it, you just can't miss the music. It's really beautiful and passionate, and uh, I'm obviously a big enough fan of it that I took the opportunity to talk about it during this holiday taint of sorts between uh, all of the winter holidays like Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's, uh, which is right around the corner. Couldn't quite lock down a guest, so I took the opportunity to expound on something I love with a person I love, and I think you'll enjoy this. MBSing is a part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like this conversation, you may also enjoy Cinema Jaw. It's a film podcast where Matt Kay, Ride the Movie Guy, and Elias Rodriguez talk to authors, musicians, technologists, and any interesting people about their takes on the movies. So if you like hearing these two movie lovers talk about once, you may enjoy a few others talking about a plethora of other films on Cinema Jaw. I think that's about all I have. Enjoy this conversation and let it take you pleasantly into a new year and perhaps finding new loves of your own. Thanks. Hello and welcome to EMBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. Wait, I screwed it up immediately. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> You're like, start it. I'm going to nail it. I got I'm it. I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm going to crush it this time. <laughs> I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm prepared. But the first thing I did was get my name wrong. You said my name. <laughs> I said your name, which is not my name. I'm just so usually the host <laughs> that that was where your head was Here, at. Here's what I'm, here's why I'm mad at myself now is because I know if I would have powered through it, no one would have noticed. <laughs> I also looked at you like, oh, so you really did fuck it up immediately, huh? <laughs> and you started saying, and I was like, he's going to say my name. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, that's about... That's, take another run at that? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> okay. I mean, right. why? I will. You don't have to. Um, let me try. One I mean, more I'm time. definitely not taking all this out if you do. 
if you do, I you just can't. rather you properly introduce okay. yourself. This satisfies the prerequisite of having a beat of conversation before the intro- <laughs> introductory uh, a moment. It does. It does. <laughs> Even if it was not intended to be that. That it does. Hello and welcome to EMBSing. I am your host, Eric Brayband. With me today is my guest, Mary Beth Smith. Hello. Uh, she is here to talk about her love of... The film Once. Tell me... Let's get right into it. Yeah. Let's not gild the lily. I don't know if that means... How are you... Well, what I thought I, that was a euphemism. It is. <laughs> okay. Um, but whatever that means, let's make sure we don't do it. All right. Um, tell me about... Just tell me about the first time you saw Once. Okay. So my first introduction to Once where I found out about it is that I saw Glenn Hansard and Marketa Erglova, the leads of the film, performing the film's now Oscar-winning song, Falling Slowly, on a late-night show. I believe it was David Letterman. Nice. I believe. I could be wrong, and the actual answer may be more embarrassing, like, uh, you know, Leno or someone. <laughs> the only one that could the be The only one that's embarrassing, uh, because it was Because they pretty... definitely didn't play Charlie Rose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to say it was Letterman. That makes sense. I was at my parents' house. I was the only one awake. It was over a summer... It was the only summer I spent at home, uh, during my college years, so I was, like, very restless, and... This is pertinent, I believe, because I really do think it colored me wanting to seek out the movie and, like, finding anything to be interested in and do uh, at the time Mm -hmm. because I was just, like, bored and kind of by myself in my hometown. And I saw it and I was just like, oh, my God, who are these people? That was beautiful. I have to see this movie. I looked it up. I, like, watched the trailer. Yeah, I was going to say, did they? how did they set it up on Letterman? Because it's, it's so interesting to come to a film from a song. Yeah, I mean... Um, that's not a way I usually engage with stuff. And I, I, like, that seems like such a back alley, but, but an appropriate way to engage with this movie because music is obviously so heavily featured in it. Right. Um, I think it has to have been someone on his team became familiar with the movie. Yeah. I just don't see how else yeah. these, like, Kind of, you know, Did micro they, budget film stars right. would have been the musical guest on Letterman. Did they? Uh, did they? Did they do any interview portion, or no. were they? They were just straight up playing. No. And were like, did they uh, make it clear that the people who were playing the song were also the stars of the film? You know, I think so. Because you would think you'd have to. I think like, so because I want to say Letterman said something to the effect of, you know. From the film, performing their song from the yeah. Indie Darling Once or whatever it was, yeah. you know? I'm sure he didn't yeah. say that, but that's what I would have said if I were Letterman, <laughs> if they gave me his jab. Uh, but that is what I remember, okay. is knowing that they were the people in the movie and knowing that I wanted to see the movie very badly. So you were staying up at your parents mm-hmm. one summer when you were bored away from college. Mm-hmm. And you saw this song, and it was gorgeous, and you knew that these two people were somehow in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then you went to look up information about the movie. And so let's tell, for those who, people who aren't familiar with Once, sure. how would you elevator pitch me the movie? So Once is about a guitarist, songwriter, singer-songwriter, I guess you would call his character, uh, in Glenn Hansard, 
who is living in Dublin and is a little down on his luck. He's uh, seemingly just gotten out of a relationship and is just kind of going about his days, uh, kind of taking care of his dad, uh, but mostly just trying to make a little money on the side, uh, playing songs in the streets of Dublin. Uh, He plays mostly covers, and the film opens with him playing one of his own songs uh, at night. There's no one else in the shot, and uh, after he's completed the whole performance of the song, you hear clapping, and it pans out, and there's a woman there. And she is... uh, an immigrant from uh, she's Czech, and uh, she asks him why he doesn't play more of his original music, and he's like, nobody wants to hear this, and she's like, no, your music's really good, and that kind of starts a whole relationship between them. Uh, the the one thing that ties them together is she asks what he does during the day when he's not being a musician. He tells her that his dad owns a Hoover shop and he helps his dad fix Hoover's. And she's like, I have a Hoover that I need to get fixed. And that's like the inciting incident of this whole movie. It's a very convenient but adorable meet Yes, Where it's like this super like doe-eyed, earnest Irish like singer-songwriter just like playing his heart out on the street to nobody. Like giving something, like sending some beautiful art to the world to just dissipate and turn into nothing. Truly, maybe my favorite song <laughs> like, in the movie yeah. is, is the opening is song. Is that it to me now? Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, uh, and it's on. that's where the action starts. Uh, throughout the rest of the movie, all the only other real action is that she. Uh, helps convince him to record some songs. They hire a couple of other session musicians. Um, they uh, record music together. He makes a pass at her. <laughs> she uh, denies him pretty hard. He eventually finds out that she is married, but her husband does not live in Dublin. And she, he also finds out that she has a kid uh, who does live in Dublin. She lives with her mom. And that just is enough to kind of complicate what their relationship yeah. is. So it's like a it's 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 own it's some version of a romantic comedy. The movie, like yeah, to, like specifically the movie, it's some version of one, but like for sure not in any of the bad ways that no. you would say that because the movie's also very like it's also raw and very unpolished because it's. Like you said, alluded to before, it was shot for nothing. Very, very micro budget. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say like ten grand yeah. or something absurd. So it's just like, like it's like handheld cameras. It's like, all handheld shots. They didn't really they, have yeah. any cinematography. Uh, was not a thing that was on. Like no, uh, but that's part but of the charm of the movie, and it, and it makes sense for the movie. And the movie, uh, this is skipping ahead to some other experiences I've had yeah. with it for sure. But now that I've been to Dublin, the movie really does feel like it's set in that city. I I get that too. You, it really, and and that is kind of a cool thing. As I've been thinking about this uh, leading up to our conversation about it, I didn't didn't really have an interest in specifically uh, 
Irish culture. I had taken a, an Irish history really? independent study when I was in high school. At least part of that was because I loved my history teacher. That's so funny. And there were two other guys who were willing to do it with me. And all three of us were redheads. I, yeah, I guess I never thought about that because I just assumed it was like... It was just like, because when we first started dating, you had an Irish flag hanging in your bedroom. Because I had bought it in Dublin because I like yeah. kind of fell in love with with yeah. Dublin because of that movie. And I, th- and I think there was something just about being a redhead that like... And that's part of the reason why I wanted to clarify that I've never... It's not like I wanted to see once because I was like, oh, it's Irish. Yeah. I wanted to see once because that song was amazing. Yeah. And it seemed like the kind of movie I would like. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think that it definitely... I, I, like I said, I did take some Irish history... You know, I had some knowledge and interest in Irish mm-hmm. history, uh, but I wasn't necessarily... And everyone always assumes I'm Irish, and I think that's why I wanted to say right. something about it, because I don't actually really know that I have, <laughs> right. like, Irish heritage. You might. I might, and uh, I guess that's, like, an interesting part of the whole thing, but it definitely wasn't the driving force yeah. and does not continue to be the driving so, force of my interest in this movie. Uh so the and what one of the and uh, so the movie was directed and probably written by John Carney. Correct is his name, right? And he correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a it's a small movie made with uh, where the star is Glenn Hansard, who is not a non-famous mu- musician. He's been in successful bands before he shot this movie. So to some respect. John Carney is another member of Glenn Hansard's band, The Frames. Right. So John Carney, this was really his first uh, feature film project. And when he wrote it, uh, he had the intentions of having Glenn uh, write the music for it. And I believe Glenn is the one who brought in Marquetta on the project. Mm-hmm. And Killian Murphy was initially cast in the Glenn Hansard. Oh, I did not know that. That's... So that makes the movie so different. They were trying. They were yeah. going to aim for having a big name actor in yeah. it. I don't know how. You know, maybe it's because they had. A, they were getting a little bit of money from like the Irish Film Board, so I don't know if they had yeah. a little bigger connection that they were able to cast Killian Murphy. I believe the story is that he got cast in a more major film. Yeah. And could not shoot this like could've ten been, grand. Could have been like Batman Begins. I know. I know. Because that's around, that was around the same time. The same time. Could, yeah. It it really could have been. So it's interesting to me because Glenn Hansard is... Because I remember I remember hearing about the frames in like 2003. Interesting. Because a buddy of mine went and saw Damien Rice. Yeah. And he was like, this band, the frames opened for them and they were really good. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. They're, uh, they're definitely buds with Damien Rice yeah. as well because he's another one of those like Irish busker types. Right. Uh, but yeah, it... It could have been a totally different movie, and I think that's one of the things that, like, piles on to my fascination and enjoyment of it, is that it was going to be a movie with Killian Murphy and then, like, whoever they could cast yeah. in the female role, and then eventually it became a movie that starred the two people who wrote the music for it. Yeah. And that just, like, completely changed it. And it, it helps that they're both, like, super talented and attractive people, too. Sure. Because it's not, like, the lead singer of, like, Blues Traveler and, like... I don't know what that person looks like. Uh, John Popper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, like, I was going to say Delta Burke, but I don't think she's a musician. <laughs> uh... 
But yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's they both they both look like they could be in movies. And Glenn Hansard had been in what I think you're referring the, yeah, to, The Commitments, right. uh, which is also a pretty big Irish film about music. So I think in Dublin and, and in Ireland, Glenn Hansard kind of had made a name for himself, but international audiences yeah, wouldn't have cared, whereas no. Killian Murphy... Uh, I do think he was probably filming like Batman Begins or The Wind That Shakes the Barley or some yeah. some other yeah. more major. It's the worst title uh, for a movie I've film never seen. Studio, <laughs> uh, and and just kind of by by them having to say we have to make this movie somehow, they cast Glenn and yeah. Marquette in the roles. So he wasn't like a big star, but he's also not a nobody. No, it's not like. It, you want to Marquetta was Marquette, Marquette for was sure. yeah, uh, and so, so the movie is just generally about like this period where she comes into his life, helps push him to like pursue some more uh, artistic endeavors that are what he really wants to do instead of just like playing covers and 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 makes him kind of like take a bigger risk with his career. And the movie is really like the plot of the movie is like. They make a CD, yeah, and then like their love story. That's it. Yeah, but the but it like all works really well and it's still like super engaging, fun to watch. But like from a plot perspective, like there's not a ton of moving parts. I think overarchingly, that's one of the things that makes me love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first movie that I saw. Maybe not the first, but certainly the first one where I really recognized how simple a story could be and still make a fantastic movie. It was definitely the same summer that I was really getting into loving film, so I know that's a part of all this and a part of why I love it so much. I mean, one of my other favorite films also came out that year in Juno. Ah. Oh. Uh, big year for you. <laughs> uh, well, and honestly, it was the first year I remember watching the Oscars and just being like, Please, please, I want these things to win. Like, do, I wanted. Do you remember what won that year? Uh, Best Picture? Yeah. 2006. Uh, I believe it was No Country for All oh, Men. Bummer. Uh, but the best song, Falling Slowly, was up and won. Best yes. original script, Juno, was up and won. Once didn't come out in the US until 07, so these were the 08 Oscars. Oh, okay. But all of the things that I said. Apply to oh, so the true. same year of Oscars. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so gotcha, that, gotcha. that was like 07 in general was the the big year that I saw all these movies and kind of fell do in you, love with film and all that stuff. Do you feel like once helped you become a bigger fan of film in general? Absolutely, I do. I I, I had never truly loved a movie like I loved it. Like I didn't feel, and I think part of it was because. It was one of the first movies that I really like discovered on my own. Yeah, that's you know a what big I mean. Thing. And and, and I, 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 I think can identify with you that can big time. Probably relate to that with yeah. like music and movies mm-hmm. and, and your love for them. And that's how I felt about once was like I I I saw this thing on late night on my own, and then I sought out where I could watch the movie. I couldn't see it anywhere close to me, so I had to like figure out when I could see it and I went by myself to see Mm -hmm. it and it was just this very personal relationship and on top of that you know falling in love with film I had always been in love with theater and in love with performance and I 
think there's something in this movie that really scratches that. I think this movie is about being a creative. Like, it's about being a musician. Mm -hmm. And about the relationships that you can form with the people that you make music with. Yeah. And that just, like, that hit me so hard. It's making me think it's actually similar to a movie from this year in Brigsby Bear. Whereas yeah. Whereas Brigsby Bear is kind of like the power of media, and this and that specifically television shows. This is kind of like the power of music. Yeah. And kind of like the bigger point that music serves, other than just like, be sounding pretty. Yeah, you're uh, not wrong at all, and that's actually like making me yeah. emotional about both films because I think it's the message at the end of both films is just like. Keep making art and celebrating yeah. it and, like, loving the people that you make because, it with. Because it makes life better. Like, yes. it's, it enhances all everything. Yes. Uh, uh, and my... So, I never saw the movie until you showed it to me. Mm-hmm. I think we watched it on, which like, can, your which, laptop. I should say. Yeah. <laughs> probably applies to, like, 20 people in my life. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry to make you not special. Oh, no, I didn't think I was special but in like, that regard. like, my college experience and especially having gone on study oh, no. abroad, yeah. I went to Dublin. I'm not saying it was, like, a relationship every time. Yeah. I'm saying... No, I wasn't saying that. Okay, I traveled to Dublin and I wouldn't shut the fuck up about this movie. And right. one of my other friends, I believe, had seen it. So he was like, yeah, we should all watch this. Right. And everyone liked it. But... Yeah, and but I was gonna say my entry. The thing that caught me first was like, the mu- like I, the music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, the, the the I mean, he starts playing a song, and and that was my first experience with Glenn Hansard as it was, and I was like, oh shit, this guy is good. He and, is like, a singular talent. Yeah, he's he's just he's very very good. Uh, at what he does and I think that caught me off guard and made me really pay attention to the movie yeah. and I remember too my favorite song from the movie is When Your Mind's Made Up mm-hmm. which they is played over this cool recording studio sequence and because I, I'm fascinated with music and recording studio like I just will always love watching people record music for some reason uh, and it's a really good it's a, like a great song and He's also, it's also in 4-5 time, I believe. It's in 4-5-1, 2-3, 4-5. So it has this really cool, like, offbeat uh, tempo for something that you wouldn't think he would as, like, a guitar-only singer and songwriter, but they have a whole band behind it, and it kind of, like... And it kind of just, like, is a, almost a rock song. And that, and I remember, oh, like... for sure. I thinking, think it's the rockiest song in oh, the... In the for, whole yeah. uh, movie. And I remember thinking when up to that point in the movie, it was like, oh yeah, this guy's like a nice like folk artist, and that's good. And then I saw that, I was like, no, this guy's like a, a he's a he's a musician, he's a capital M musician. You know what I mean? He could play anything he wants to play. He's and that gave me so talented. Yeah. And then we've seen him live a couple times now, and he just puts on great great shows like. Did I have you watch the movie before we saw him live? Yes. I for was sure. pretty sure. For yeah. Sure. I was pretty sure. And I I remember going to I, I I've seen uh The Swell Season, which is Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Erglova's uh relatively short lived band, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh I saw them live once or twice. Uh actually maybe only once as maybe only once Please. as the swell season, Ew. but I've seen Glenn Hansard many times since then, and I remember going with you for the first time and being really nervous because I was like, 
God, I hope he likes this. <laughs> I know it's going to be good, but like, I just wanted you to like it. And he came it's out so with important a, to me. a full horn section. Yeah. And I lo- was... I'm a sucker for a horn section. I love so horns too. It was just a great show. I mean, the guy, you've made me, you have 100% made me into a fan of his. Because, He's so good. Uh, do you feel like, do, do you think your music taste was formed before you experienced once and, or do you think it like, so like, do you think you were drawn to the song because it's the type of music you already liked? Yes. Or do you think that once helped form your musical uh, tastes going forward? Maybe a little of okay. A, a little of yeah. B, because I certainly already, I mean, I already liked Damien Rice before yeah, I and that's had like seen the once. Same thing. That's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I've always been, you know, into adult contemporary and yeah. adult folk music and all that stuff. Uh, so it's not like this was, you know, I was only listening to boy bands and, you know, country music, and then I saw Which, to be clear, you were. (laughs) When I was young, those were things I frequented, yes. (laughs) But by the time I, I mean, again, it goes into me forming my own opinions about (laughs) music. I mean, uh, it's, I have always, since I had more maturity in my music taste, preferred like singer songwriter mm-hmm. uh music and most of which being like of this ilk yeah i got really into singer songwriter stuff for like in college mm-hmm. which i think isn't a unique thing no <laughs> uh but similarly like the type of music he makes is certainly up my alley too so yeah. i like came in being like oh it's i could i could dig this but i, I uh and i came out of it I, th- I, f- I feel like when you showed the movie to me for the first time, I was like, yeah, that was great. Like, I was mm-hmm. just very much oh, like... Oh, you totally did. Oh, no, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I see why you love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. It's... It's good. I think it's, it would stand up, too. It's so simple and so good that I just can't stop coming back to it. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's like... You don't, a movie doesn't have to be, you know, bright to be good. Like, it doesn't have to be... uh, Are you uh, specifically referencing the Netflix movie that just came out? (laughs) Yes. In the sense that it's like, has this real complicated concept and like a huge budget and big stars and it's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah, the stakes don't have to be like universally big. They just have to be big to the people involved. It has to just be a well-told story. That's all a movie has to be. It has to be a story well told (laughs) and well edited. Like, it was just the most absurd example yeah. of, like, what I, people I try what to get out of a movie. It doesn't have I, to be so convoluted and contrived. It could right. be like, hey, here's It doesn't people. have to be, like... Maybe they like each two other? Two cops and one is, like, a guy from a fantasy world or whatever <laughs> that movie is about. It can just... Like you said, it can be two people. Maybe they like each other. Maybe they don't... E- I absolutely love, spoilers ahead, the Spoiler fact that they alert. don't end up together. I think Oh yeah. If I had watched that movie and they just live on happily ever after, I think it's a completely different story. I, I will always like that the message of and, and I think the movie makes the message that it's not a sad ending that they're no. not together, but it's like sometimes people pop into your life and they give you exactly what you need at the time and then they pop out of your life yes. and that relationship is 
valid and beautiful and great too yes and and it kind of like you don't have to be sad about that because it it did what it was supposed to i am going to cry at how perfect that was because (laughs) i do think that that is the central argument of the movie that the major theme is just these people do love each other for sure and it's not necessarily in a romantic we have to live the rest of our lives together way, mm-hmm. but in a way that he, she helped him realize like that he did deserve to do what he wanted to do with his life. Right. And he gives her the gift of music, literally. The last shot of the movie is him giving her music in her mm-hmm. life. And like that I will was... just always be like, just beautiful to me. So, in the, at another level of this is once it was turned into an award-winning stage musical, yes. which we also have seen twice. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I for, and I remember the last time we saw the musical, uh-huh. the forgetting how kind of neatly everything. And I, I can't remember if it's the same way in the movie now because I'm conflating it. But like every single thread and plot line gets tied up so neatly and in a way that's like so satisfying and so feel goody. Uh-huh. And I, and I remember specifically last time we saw the musical really appreciating that they didn't leave any strands, that they that everything got its just due and everyone comes out better on, on the other side of the show. So there is this kind of slightly added storyline in the... Uh, musical where the fact that they buy the piano like helps the the shop owner right but the shop owner is not a character in the the movie right right, right. because there really aren't that many other characters you get like the guy the girl uh his da and the the couple of other people who help them make the music uh and and everyone else really only has like one scene but a kind a thing that they did that I love in the musical is instead of really reaching to create a cast of characters to be able to produce the musical that they wanted it to be, they just took all of the pre-existing characters and filled them out a little yeah. and filled them out into, you know, a two, two and a half hour musical as opposed to a 90 minute uh, right. indie film. And so, and so like, it, it, it's, it weirdly feels... Like chicken and eggy for some things, but then also like the whole of once was kind of made for you. You know what I mean? Oh, oh like in the it, sense it has that... like a, an almost heritage thing that may or may not have been there before. Right. A it's up your alley musically that was like that was there before, but then it also like reinforced. Right. And then it's turned into a musical, which is something you loved from yeah. before too. Yeah, that's all uh, super true. And the, because the movie itself could, I think you could totally call that a musical. Oh, I absolutely think it is. So much music in it. It has music... more music in it than La La Land yeah. does. Yep. More more. More songs. Also, Lava Land is a total ripoff of Once, especially <laughs> at the end. It's true. It's kind of true. I, the ending of La La Land pissed me off because I was like, this has been done better in a better movie. Yeah. Um, I agree. Thank I th- you. I feel like that was like... <laughs> you're, right. you're welcome. Uh, uh, I... Forgot where I was going. Uh, oh, I, oh, but no, but this there's lots of music in it. Musical performance is central to the the movie experience of it. Mm-hmm. But then it's turned to a musical because the music's great and it wins a 
uh, Oscar and all that, and you love musicals. Yeah. So when you heard that, you had to have been like, oh, hell yeah. I was pumped, and uh, I was or, nervous. Yeah, that they might ruin it. Because I just wasn't sure it would translate. And I was assuaged by the person who wrote the book is an Irish playwright that I like. Uh, so again, just like just hitting yeah all your interests. And I've since read uh, this year uh, there was like an oral history type article that came out about the movie uh, because it was ten years since its U.S. release, um, and they cited that. It took a long time for a once musical to happen because Glenn especially, but Glenn and John and Marquetta were all wary of uh, what the musical actually would be. They didn't want it to be in the wrong hands. They were very, very... There were people who had tried to make a once musical that they said no to. Cool. So this time around, when it actually happened, they... It only happened because they agreed to do you, with and it. I'm going to ask you this question knowing your answer, but do you think it's a good adaptation? I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. I and think it's great. Like, I think it's wonderful. I think that the concept to make it uh, so that all of the actors play their instruments on stage... Oh, it's... Uh, for- is oh, it's kind of the only way I think it would have worked. I mean, I... One, it's gorgeously played. And, like the song Gold. Oh, uh, that's what I was just trying to get to. The, yeah. Is so good. There's a part it's in the second act, is it? Or is it the end of the first? I don't know. I believe it's the second act. Uh, but they they do a version or rendition of a song, but they do it fully a cappella after they've been like just like expertly crushing banjos and fiddles and mandolins and guitars just playing Bass. playing their asses off yeah uh and then they just do this uh a, uh a cappella piece and i remember seeing it for the first time uh what the, was that the chicago theater mm-hmm. and we're sitting like up in the like balcony but close to or the no i no, think it was like the theater? oriental or something okay. like that yeah um but whatever it was it was a, a place that looks nice a, chi- a theater in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, and it was just go- like it was gorgeous. It was like it was one beautiful. of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen live. It was really beautiful. I had seen a stage adaptation of Sweeney Todd, like the one that they did, like the production that they did. Yeah. So Sweeney Todd isn't always like that, but I you saw like that. How? What do you uh, mean? Like having the players on the sides with their instruments. Oh, okay. But I literally saw a, a touring production of Sweeney Todd from. When I was in college, where it was the same concept, yeah. all of the actors <laughs> played instruments, and they when they entered scenes, they would like play their instruments and stuff like that. It didn't work as well for Sweeney Todd, but everyone loved that yeah. Sweeney Todd revival because it was kind of this it's reimagining fun. of the show, yeah. and you had to get really talented actors and musicians to do it. But uh, so when I found out that once was like that, I was like, oh, holy goddamn shit. That is the <laughs> perfect. <laughs> oh, holy goddamn shit. <laughs> that is the perfect way to take this show to what's the uh, uh, musical stage. What's in there an improv form where no one leaves stage? Oh. Isn't it like the JTS Brown or something? Uh-huh. So it's the JTS. So, it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. And the, the actors just uh, 
stay on stage the whole time. They're uh, along the sides with their instruments. So if they play an instrument that is used in a song, they may not even necessarily be in the action of the story, but they're on the sides playing their yeah, instruments. It's and gorgeous. It's it's great. It's such. It's so good. It's, the whole thing takes place in a bar when you see yeah. it uh, live, and I think that makes perfect sense for the style of film that it is. Uh, it really captures the smallness of it in a really beautiful way. I think the biggest difference is uh, that they really take a decent amount of liberties with the girl character. Ah, yes. Uh, and I don't say that to say, like, the girl character. That's literally, that she is girl. It's guy and girl. Yeah, so there's, the, there's no other way to refer to her character. The, that's but the character names. The character of girl has uh, is built out in a different way than she's really portrayed in the film, uh, partially also by necessity of just needing to fill out a little more of a, a musical space than a film space. The musical does what musicals do, which is that it's more overt. It's more sure. uh, conscious versus subconscious. Feelings are expressed as opposed to implied. Yeah. That, that's what I would say the biggest difference is. With that said, it's a beautiful staging. It's a wonderful show. The music is gorgeous. I've had a blast. Every, every cast I've seen, or the, both of the casts we've seen do it were incredibly talented. Yeah. There, I mean, you have to be. To... No one is going to be Glenn Hansard in that role. Yeah. Uh, Steve Kazee, I believe, won a Tony for his performance yeah. uh, in the originating the role. Yeah. He also, uh, in around that same time when I read that oral history, uh, I found out that Glenn Hansard had a maybe too close to the production role uh, yeah. in the sense that he... Was coming to every rehearsal. Oh, Glennie boy. There was one rehearsal where uh, maybe during a break or after the rehearsal was over, he had Steve Kazee come with him to this nearby church and he played one of the songs from the musical for Steve Kazee. And then he was like, okay, now you do it. And Steve Kazee did it. And Glenn was just like, well, yeah, good. good. <laughs> and and that, according to Steve Kazee, was like a huge... I mean, to him, Glenn Hansard was an idol. Right, He right. was a rock star in his eyes. Steve right. Kazee was a fan of this movie, and he had to fill the biggest shoes he could have had to fill. And then the next day, the director was like, Hey, Glenn, thank you so much for your help. Thanks for taking Steve aside. Get the fuck out. Like, yeah, never come yeah. back to another rehearsal. And Glenn was just like, Right, right, good. Okay, see you later. So, but I think that story, like, really warms me that he cares so deeply about this film and about this music. And so, so does Steve Kazee. He cared so deeply about the musical and the music that they both like wanted it to be a success. Yeah. And I know that has an element of why it still it, feels, it feels like their show. The movie, the movie itself and the musical both feel so like intrinsically tied to like Glenn Hansard. Yes. As a person, like it's hard, it's hard to separate. Like it wasn't really, it's, it's barely a role he played. Yeah. Cause they're all his songs. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And he's such a singular talent. Yeah. I, I, I already said it, it, but it bears repeating. It's, he's really, really great. And you've met him. Yes. Yes. So, 
while I was on study abroad in Dublin and introducing people to this film left and right. So, so what year was that when you were in study abroad? 2008. Okay. Uh, or 2000, yeah, 2008. Okay. Uh, so the same year he won an Oscar, but like nine, ten months later, uh, I had been, uh, this was about three weeks into us uh, staying in Dublin and studying at Trinity College. I had introduced a bunch of the people on my trip to the film and kind of gotten all of them into it. And I had actually uh, created an independent um, like project. Uh, and I, I said I was going to do an Irish film type paper as a part of my... Yeah. Uh, program because that was a requirement was that we had to have something that we were studying independently to write a paper on. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I know I want to go see where once was filmed. So I'm going to just like tie that in. So I did do some other things for that project in that paper. But one of the main things I had done was just seek out a lot of very specific filming locations. So the movie had been on my mind, in my ears, uh, you know, in my mouth in talking to my friends about <laughs> it and, and spreading the love of it. And uh, one of our last nights in Dublin, maybe even our very last night, we were leaving Trinity College's campus to go out truly to a dance club. And, uh, <laughs> and I saw someone who looked familiar. And I was like, no one should look familiar here. I'm in a foreign country. And I looked to that man's right and saw Glenn Hansard. <laughs> and in that moment, I realized that the person that had looked familiar was writer-director John Carney. <laughs> so I was like, that's how into this movie I was, yeah. though, that I knew what the writer-director looked, looked like. like. Yeah. I knew it was him. Uh, so I don't know what, like, Denny Villeneuve <laughs> I don't like. either. Uh, but he got brown hair. I bet he does, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does John Carney, for the record. He's got, like, moppy, curly, dark hair. Uh, so, uh, we, like, I'm, I'm walking with eight or ten people, and we get past them, and the only thing echoing through my brain is, holy shit, holy shit, you have to turn around. You have to see something. You have to turn around. So I I turn around. I kind of like rush back. I stop in front of their path of walking onto Trinity College's campus. I say, I'm sorry, but I love your movie and I love your music. And I just had to say something. And before I could really stammer anything else out, uh, Glenn was like, oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing here? And uh, because we very obviously yeah. were American. And at that point, uh, the rest of my friends had kind of turned back around and uh, kind of realized what was happening. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, we're here on study abroad. Uh, we've been here for a few weeks. We leave uh, soon to travel around the aisles and go to London. And he was like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, that's great. I'm Glenn. And I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm Mary Beth. And at that point, uh, one of my friends who uh, had was one of my only friends who had seen the film before we went on the trip mm -hmm. uh, 
asked if we could get a picture with Glenn, which I was embarrassed by, but honestly, it's really cool that I have a picture with him. And he was totally understanding. So myself, my friend Ben, and another uh, friend of ours, Riley, who had like very much fallen for the film, uh, got a picture with him of the four of us. Uh, and we were kind of like on our way and I remember like clearing the gates of Trinity. Uh, and so we'd all, we know we'd all walked a few more steps away from one another. And I just like fell to my knees and like <laughs> Shawshank Redemption like, yes, what, how did that just happen? Like just so starstruck. So like, I'm pretty sure to this day, he probably heard me like yelling about the yeah. fact that I got to meet yeah. him. You, th- you think so much time had passed, but like yeah. <laughs> it was 20 seconds later and he was looking at you do that. Yeah. He was like, let's get out of yeah. here. Yeah, And like, the only thing that I truly regretted was that I hadn't been able to like show off the fact that I knew who John Carney was oh, too. Yeah. Because I really I tried to direct to both of them that I loved their movie right. and their music. But you know, ended up only really having the conversation with Glenn because yeah, yeah, uh, because like he's, he's Glenn answered, yeah. But it like something about the whole situation just made me want to make sure that John Carney knew that right. I knew yeah. he was the director. They want you to know that you're not just some you're a true fan. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right, and uh, yeah. I mean, so we went out, and I had the best night because it had started with the, the coolest thing. thing. Yeah. And there were a couple of other places that I had really wanted to go and was going to try to figure out how to go. So it must not have been our last night, but it was close to the end of our time there. And I just didn't go to any of the rest of them because I was like, I met the fucking guy. Like, I don't need to go to, like, (laughs) this stoop that this scene was filmed on. I shook the guy's hand. hand. I don't need to see the lamppost from the third act anymore. So I'm Uh, actually glad it happened, like, close to the end of my visit there. Because I was just like, well, that door is closed. So yeah. <laughs> you were such a fan. You were trying to get so close to the movie as possible. Yeah. And then you accidentally got as close as you ever could. And yeah. you were just like, well, that frees up my sketch. Yeah. You guys you guys want to grab some food tomorrow? Like, Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. um, but one of the places that I had wanted to go or try to figure out if I could go. Um, I have been to now. Okay, so what, where in the movie... Tell, tell me about the scene in which is filmed at this specific place in the movie. Briefly. Okay. Sure. So, uh, the moment when Glenn finds out that... Or when Guy finds out the girl has a husband is... Uh, as they say in the film industry, happens in media res. Uh, because the first line of the scene is, you're what? You're married. So you don't even see her tell him that she has a husband. Uh, but they're they're walking up a hill that they have gotten to by him borrowing his dad's scooter. And they've taken this scooter up to this hill and once they get into the woods, it's kind of 
uh, it makes perfect sense for it to happen in that moment because they've gone on this little adventure and they're like getting a little closer and a little more comfortable yeah. with one another. And that's when she reveals this. They get and to they like took like a day off, did they? Like, yeah. Like, have a leisure day. And it's like a yeah. little fun little sequence. Right. So they're like comfortable. They're taking a break. They're kind of continuing to get to know one another personally. Uh, he finds that out. They get to the top of the hill and they're looking at this beautiful view and Glenn uh character starts to ask Marquetta's character what certain words for things are in Czech. So he says, What's Czech for ocean? And she says, Otsan and uh I, I can't I think there may be one other question he asks. And then he asks, What's Czech for do you love him? And she says... Referring to her husband. Correct. And she says, Muyesho. And he says, so, Muyesho? And her response is, Muyutebe. And she turns and begins to walk back down the hill. And he's like, wait, wait. And that's all you ever know. Because it's not subtitled. It's not subtitled. You have no idea what she said. You have no idea what she said. Uh, his character has no idea what she said, and then the movie just continues. Yeah, it's it's like Lost in Translation, except there's actual words. Right, <laughs> It's just yeah. in a different language. It's kind of like Lost in Translation, but you can actually find out what she said. Yeah, you, you know can. what I mean? You just go look it up. Whereas Lost in Translation, part of it is that if, no one ever knows. If you, you put, know? if you put on the subtitle, it says like, like quirky mysterious whisper oh yuck (laughs) yeah that's the difference it's like they're not trying to necessarily hide something from you they just know that doing it like that is more effective of course and because it puts you in the same position that he's in it's like shit what'd she say you took the words out of my mouth that's exactly what i was gonna say it puts you in the same position as glenn's character which you kind of are in the whole time It's his movie. It's his story, certainly. Uh, And she uh, says, I found out, like, way after the first time I saw the movie. I was, like, reading IMDb trivia, I think, when I found it out. She says, you are who I love, or I love you. And when I read that, I was just like, fuck! (laughs) Like, man, it, it it doesn't change the movie, but it does. You know what I yeah. mean? It, it doesn't change the movie. It just enhances it. For sure. It, and in the... Because of course she does. Of course she does. Of course she does. And there is a scene where you see them kind of try to figure out what it would look like if they did stay together. Yeah. There's a scene where he's like... uh. Like, I'm not going to go to London. Like, or, come, or he says, come oh, with me to London. Come to London. Yeah, he says, come with me. And she says, can I bring my mother? <laughs> and he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe stay here. Um, so they entertain it. You see that it's something that, like, she wishes were possible, maybe. You know, in another yeah. life kind of feeling. So it's definitely not a mystery that she loved him uh, in some way. Yes, but this big scene takes place on this big scenic Irish hill. Yes. Um, uh, so when it came time to... When it came time. 
Um, so we are now currently engaged. Engaged, excuse me. I keep, I've been saying it wrong. <laughs> and we're going to get married, too. That, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes, um, marriage is on deck for us. <laughs> so part of your love for once was so pure that when I thought, hey, how that, in what way can I propose to you that will be fun and special and good, my mind went to, like, Dublin. And I was like, what if I did, what if I found a way to get us to Dublin? I did in Dublin. Then I got my heart kind of set on that. Uh, and I figured out how to do it. And I had planned everything before I realized where I was going to propose to you. And then one day it hit me, because I was like, what are other things we could do in London? I was like, well, we could probably go to- In Dublin. Or, excuse me, in Dublin. We could probably go to places where like once was filmed and then i was like oh shit that scene and so i looked up online and i found out that that scene was shot at this place called kalini hill which is just a short train ride um outside of dublin 20 30 minutes so uh i told you that we were that i i quote unquote surprised you with a trip to dublin i told you a week before we were going mm -hmm. and the first day we got there we and I was like, hell yeah, we are about to get engaged in yeah, Dublin. You, you, you knew right away. And yeah. I knew that you would know right away and I was fine right, with that. Right. Uh, but I got to like, it felt like I got to like, I got to surprise someone with a trip overseas and it was yeah. so much fun and you were so excited and was I was amazing. so excited. And so the first day we did a couple things and then uh, I didn't tell you that we were going to that hill, obviously. But we were both dead tired because we barely slept on the plane. The time was different and it was... Yeah, uh, you know, crazy in that way, and we stopped and we got a pint of Guinness, and we sat in this bar, and you fell asleep in the booth, and I just kind of let you sleep for like 15 to 20 minutes, because I knew you would feel much better, and then you woke up, and I was like, alright, you have to follow me, and we went to the train station, we took the train out, and we're in this little seaside town. <laughs> uh, the town is called Dalky? Dalky, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Um, and this little like seaside seems touristy town. We stop at a little corner shop and we go to the bathroom and we we get some cokes because we're like we need some caffeine because I, I told you that there'd be like we would have to walk and maybe hike. Mm -hmm. And so we walk we wind through this little village uh, and we get to this park and we start walking up the park and I'm like in my mind I'm freaking out because I'm like I did it. She has no idea where she is and she's gonna recognize it. And we're in the damn parking lot. <laughs> and you quote the movie. That's where they got back on the bus. Because you knew where we were. The parking and I, lot is in the movie too. And I was just like, holy shit. She knew it by the parking lot? The parking lot is in the movie too. Uh, and so then we got up there and you realized where you were. And that's why I proposed to you. And during your proposal, you quoted the movie. I did, but like we can leave some things private. Okay. The <laughs> um, so your love of once w is so much that it that it that when I could think of like what would be the perfect spot to do it, that's where I went. It was the most romantic thing anyone had ever done for me, which seems like what you want out of <laughs> the moment that you get proposed to. If it was some, like, college boyfriend bringing you, like, a taco while you were studying for finals, <laughs> I'd have been pissed. 
It was so... <laughs> it was so thoughtful. It was thoughtful to the point of, like, astonishment. I couldn't believe that you had done all that. I couldn't believe you had... I was a little bit scared that it would, like... That, like, you love once and you want once to be a thing. And then I, like, added another meaning on top of it. Do you know what I mean? I know what you're saying, but you... I was a little you bit did afraid. do that, but it doesn't take anything away from yeah. it. It just adds to it. Yeah, it's like I was a little bit like, ooh, no. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's... I, I, I only say that not to brag, to kind of brag. Um, <laughs> you should brag. But to, but to also show, like, when you say you love once, you are not kidding. You I love, love once. I love it. It really... It just... It's so, aside from being, you know, purely comedic, I, or, or even really having much comedy to speak of, I think there are moments that are very, very funny. There's a song that's very funny yeah. and meant to be very silly. Uh, and I think aside from that, it is like all that I want out of, uh, you know, a piece of art is yeah. is just like a really simple. I love like stories about love. I love music. I love stories about people working together creatively, even though we're getting too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, or maybe just not creative enough examples of them. Right. I think that's a, a more fair way to say that. Uh, the, uh, there are a lot of people taking right what you know a little too literally right now. <laughs> and I just, I don't think this movie is an example of that at all. No. Uh, it's... Uh, so how would you say your love of once has affected, uh, has affected your creative life or you creatively? I think it is kind of monumental that uh, this movie came into my life. And I think it's changed the way that I watch other movies and the way that I strive to make art in the sense that uh, it doesn't have to be this, like, brilliant idea. It just has to be something, a story that means something to you and that could mean something to other people. And I think it's very very meaningful in the sense that all three of these people who are at the crux of this story uh of glenn hansard and marquette arglova and john carney were creatively working together and had creative relationships before they went into this process that that is something that i got out of it in the sense that i love collaborative art my favorite, you know, things that have come out of my experience in Chicago and my college experience for that matter are the people that I've gotten to perform with and write and uh, sing with and gotten to know via the art that I have produced with them. And that is a pretty driving force in my creative life and in my life in general in the sense that I just I love having people around me 
who bring out the best in me, both on stage and interpersonally. And I think this movie is an example of that at its best of people who wanted to work together. Uh, things didn't quite go their way at the top of the project. And I think we're all better off for it. Right. Do you, th- do you find yourself like, do you think that maybe it kind of helped you focus or focus on what you kind of wanted to chase, if that makes sense? Like, yeah. like you want to have those relation- those close relationships with people because you know you can breed good and valuable art uh, through it? I do, and at that point in my college career, I really didn't have intentions of continuing to be a creative when I graduated. Yeah? Uh, Is it, do you feel like it's a fulcrum? Like it's a better before and after? I don't think that is the fulcrum as much as some of that study abroad experience was. Uh, Uh, That is a little more what I cite as that uh, inciting incident of of when I started. I came back and I was like, fuck, I don't think I can go to grad school for chemistry. (laughs) Like, I just don't think I like this. I'm passionate enough about this. And if it it wasn't once singularly, it was certainly a part of that whole experience. Exactly. And And that experience might not have you might have not have came to the same conclusion without once in that experience. And I, I may not have remained as active in the theater community as I did right. if once hadn't come into my life. Uh, there was a guy who I had uh, done some shows with at Furman who also like fell really hard for this movie and was someone that was a big influence in my life at that time in terms of just kind of like encouraging me to continue to pursue theater. And at some point before I graduated, we had gone out for coffee uh, and he was just like, I think I figured you out. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And he was like, uh, that you're kind of an ass. Yeah. And he was like, uh, all I mean is that I think you want to be in a band. And I was like, well, not really. Like, I really like performing. And he was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. You want to be in, like, a group of people such like a band. Yeah. You, you know, he I, didn't, he didn't mean the literal word band. He just meant, like, a band. You, and I was like, uh, I guess so, maybe. And now, looking back on the last seven to never, eight years of my life, he was totally right. You've never told me that story before, but that is a hundred. That is a thousand percent accurate. He he was totally right. That is a thousand. I've never said it that well or thought that as well written as that statement is. Yes. But that is the perfect distillation of that. And I've never. You want had, to be in a band. Yeah, and I've never had to like reassess my creative, you know, driving force yeah. because he. He did nail it. Like, he totally yeah, that's did. That's totally what it is. He he did, and uh, and I don't even know that I, like, really... I, I don't think I disagreed with him at the time, but I think I was just kind of like, okay. And he was just this guy who had kind of, like... Our, he was a few years... Uh, he was an alumni of the school, so he had kind of, like, done a bunch of stuff otherwise already and it just like seen what life was like and was able to look at this like college student and just be like this is what you want out of life and i was just like what do you mean old man and then now i'm like oh he was totally right (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, I this and I think this movie was a big part of that. Yeah. I really do. I think I think once taught me that I wanted to be in a band and it me being able to share this with people has always been very personal to me. And uh, when we got engaged, there were a lot of people who in my life who were responded to the fact that uh, you did what you did. That oh, were yeah. just like, I can't believe he took you to where once was filmed. <laughs> oh my God, like that's so perfect and amazing. And so it wasn't even just that it was something that you had decided to do for me, you know, for me and this like singular thing. It was this thing that like, everyone knew how yeah. perfect it was and i think well, anyone who you know and there were people who had have not even met you who said that yeah. to me who were just like oh my oh, god it's he, just, he's so perfect like i how just did wanted do it this? i wanted it to be something that meant something to you because i wanted you to be i wanted to start a band we're gonna have a really fucking great band. <laughs> it might be, it might, a, pretty solid it might be a two-person band. <laughs> it's it's already a really solid two-person band. Yeah. It might stay a two-person we'll, band. We'll, we'll see. I think, though, that with our extended uh, group of friends, we... Uh, you are a part of my band with like other friends of you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. No, I don't mean. even think that's all I really. I feel that I I feel that like, the same way when we were hanging out with my best friends over the holidays that you fit your right band. in. They're you're, literally you, your band. You're right. You're locked in with us. And I get you know to be I mean? a part of that band now too. You come I'm in like, and you play the tambourine, maybe. <laughs> uh, but you're right on beat. Come on, I'm on vocals. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. None of us can sing. <laughs> When none of us can sing. And you're the only one that can sing. And I gave you a... Ta- I put a tambourine in your hand. Uh, I'm a terrible band. <laughs> this is going to lead to a lot of complications in um, our band. Yeah, well, we'll have a... Well, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. But... Do you want to do what we... Oh, yeah, we can. I'll have, we'll have to pause to get set up, but we can... Come back to it? Yeah. We were going to leave you with a... a Little tower. Well, well shouldn't it. we introduce it? <laughs> you go get the thing. Okay. And I'll sit here and. Well, we should. Ah, forget it. <laughs> this is called tripping over the finish line. <laughs> uh, so I started to entertain the idea of changing the MBSing theme song before we started recording this episode, and had the idea to uh make it a swell season song not a song from once but a song that uh was on that first swell season album came which came out while i was in college and was a big part of all of this for me uh it was another thing that i couldn't shut up about to my friends that i burned copies of and put into their hands and like made them uh, like it at least some portion as much as I did. Uh, but the album was in my car in college for just months on end, and I, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And this is, I believe, the second track on the album. It's called uh, Feeling the Pull. And Uh, Feeling the Pole was the song that I was playing on my car stereo the last time I pulled out of my parents' driveway before I moved to Chicago. Uh, So it's always felt kind of like my 
guiding song, like kind of like this is the thing that uh, you know. This is the this is the like band song. This is my this is my song that I think about when I think about wanting to be in a band. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Cool. I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. You want to just go for it? Yeah. <laughs> I do it. Back to head out on the road and take away what I know is mine. I'm running down the past to Yellow House of Joe into the breeze when no one seems to care. And I'm feeling the pull dragging me off again. And I'm feeling so small against that big sky tonight. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I love you and I mean that. I love you so very much too. Um, do you want to watch Bright? <laughs> I truly can't think of anything I'd rather do less. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.